You're listening to the Provocative Therapy Podcast. My name is Federico Sarink, and I'm your host. And today is the last podcast in the series on the provocative assumptions. We will talk about assumption number seven. If the therapist loses the structure during the session, the client will bring it back and will get to the core by himself. After this podcast, I will continue recording episodes in which I'm going to interview colleagues talking about their specialties, but I also address issues such as how to work provocatively with problems such as depression, anxiety disorders, or personality problems. And what else? Ah, yeah, I also pay attention to the topics that I've discovered and continue to discover because of the research for my PhD on the role of humor in psychotherapy. And I've already discovered many interesting topics. In the remaining three to four years of my PhD, we're going to carry out two trials, one experimental and one clinical at the psychology center Activa Psicologia y Formación in Madrid. So I'm sure I will have many more things to share with you in the years to come. All right, but today we will talk about the provocative assumption number seven. If the therapist loses the structure during the session, the client will bring it back and will get to the core by himself. And that's a pretty nerve-wracking thing to do because I've changed some of the provocative assumptions that were formulated by Jeffrey Weinberg and the guest of today. Tell me who it is. Well, my guest is the Dutchman who brought provocative therapy to the Netherlands by inviting Frank Fairley to come over to show his magic to the Dutch students. My guest was not only enthusiastic, but also had a clear vision that the provocative style would be a game changer worthwhile of introducing in our country. And he had the balls to do so. But introducing was not enough. It was my guest who started to, p- to plan to model everything Frank Fairley did so he and his team could write it down and make it easier to transfer the knowledge and experience of Fairley to the students. That way the provocative assumptions were born. Now you understand why I'm a bit anxious having him here because I had the nerve to alter some of the assumptions and it feels like blasphemy now, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Now, now you are admitting that. I, I am, yeah. <laughs> My guest is a clinical psychologist who, besides the provocative style, is also an expert in the NLP. For years, he and his wife had a training center, but now they have retired. He and his best friend, Jeffrey Weinberg, still are teaching the provocative style, though, and also mind sonar, as he just told me. His name is Jaap Hollander. (laughs) Hello. That was it. Yes. Where was this happen? Wonderful introduction. Yeah. Welcome, Jaap. Yes, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, or actually, I was invited to come over to you, because, <laughs> so thank you for inviting me here in Nijmegen. All right. It's an honor to have you in this final episode on the provocative assumptions, because, because of you and Jeffrey, the book I read 12, 14 years ago, something like that, I got excited to work provocatively, and uh, you've always been a great inspiration to start learning the provocative style and to continue uh, doing so. Um, so thank you very much and thank you for being in this last episode on the provocative assumptions you're welcome yeah um, so normally um, I explain a lot about the, the, the assumption and I talk about some of the techniques or things you can do but as I just explained maybe in the style of this uh, last uh, uh, assumption um, losing the structure uh, I decided just to get rid of my preparation and just jump into it. Okay. Is that okay for you? Sure. All right. So, uh, well, maybe as, as the founder of the, the provocative assumptions, 
Can you explain what is, what is it all about, losing the structure? Yes, so um, the reason why we formulated these assumptions in the first place is that assumptions are very portable. Mm. And uh, NLP had a number of uh, assumptions, like uh, people have the resources they need to make changes, for instance. And so then we realized we, you know, we had modeled lots of um, internal processes, think the way Frank Farrelly was thinking, uh, and we had modeled lots of his behaviors and lots of the conditions under which condition does he do what. And, mm. uh, so, but we never got around to um, formulating assumptions. And the good thing about assumptions is that they're very portable. Mm. A behavior, especially if it's under a certain condition, like for instance, shifting the blame, as mm -hmm. an example, um, only happens when somebody assigns the blame. Mm -hmm. So first of all, somebody has to assign the blame. Yeah. Then you can shift the blame, and you shift that in a very particular way. So um, assumptions are much broader, mm. uh, so much more applica applicable to all kinds of situations. Yeah. And so this is one of them, losing the structure. Um, well, we, of course, we noticed uh, that Frank Fairley was not structuring anything. Okay. It's like if you take, for instance, uh, cognitive behavior therapy or pretty much you know, any other type of therapy, especially any type of coaching, mm. uh, it is always highly structured. Yeah, um, Because that is, yeah, protocol. We'll talk about, you know, what we call protocol therapy here in the Netherlands. Yeah. It's even, you know, you cannot structure it any more than that. No, no, no. no. And uh, now we all know that as, as experience, uh, yeah, talking to experienced coaches, experienced therapists here, we all know that uh, as soon as you, you know, apply a very um, strict structure, uh, the, the client can lean back yeah. and ask you, well, okay, Freek, so what is our next step? Yeah. Uh, and what, what do I have to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's kind of difficult to do, isn't it? So it also lends itself great to all kinds of resistance. And then, you know... But, but isn't, isn't it also in, in that way that clients appeal to the therapist or coach's uh, uh, tendency to help, to be the expert? Uh, so appealing to the, that side of the therapist that is wonderful in this work. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, most therapists are addicted to that kind of, you know, approval. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Freik, you know, I, Frederico, I, I yeah. was, I was lost. You know, I was in the dark. I, I, I was almost ready to kill myself. I was totally, you know, uh, totally, totally depressed. And then, you know, I talk to you, and suddenly I see the light. Suddenly, I, you know, life has meaning for me again. Mm. Thank you, thank you, thank you. you. You have no idea how great it is what you did for me. Exactly. So that's what we're all aiming for, right? Yeah. Well, we don't always get that, but... Uh, yeah, 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 true. <laughs> yeah. But that's... Uh, and, and actually, so, you know, and that... It's also the archetype, the archetype of the old wise person mm. yeah, the old wise, wise woman the old wise man yeah. uh, the sage so to speak 
but provocative therapy, you probably explained that before, mm. uh, has the jester as the archetype, mm. which is totally different. The, the jester doesn't structure anything. No. It just yeah. jokes about whatever happens at that moment. Exactly. Poking fun. And yes. if you structure fun, it's no fun anymore. Yeah. Yeah, well, you can to some extent, you know, mm. but um, but also, you know, in in a provocative coaching is all about responsibility. Mm. You want to, the client to take responsibility for their situation yeah. and their change. Yeah, uh, and by structuring too much you make it way too easy for the client. I don't say forcing the clients really, but you make it way too easy for the client to, you know, transfer that responsibility to you as a therapist. Yeah. Because now it's your responsibility to, you know, do the next step, to explain exactly. the next step, to convince yeah. the client that the next step is a good step, to convince the client to do it. And well, frankly, um, I think many of the people listening will recognize that. So the, you know, okay, so you did step 5B, right? So mm. now the client is supposed to, you know, do this behavior or, you know, think about this and this or conclude something or whatever. And so it comes in the next time. So, well, how did you do with step 5B? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, step 5B? Uh, yeah, how did you do? What happened? You know, did you do it? Yeah. Uh, did, oh, that's right. That's right. I was supposed to do it. Yeah, no, no, no. I remember. I remember. Well, after I thought about it several times. Yeah. Well, maybe not several times, but I, I thought about it at least once. At least last night before but coming here. I can't here. really say, uh, did I? No, I didn't really do it. And then, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, that's, and I think many people have that experience. And that's also, of course, because you basically took over the responsibility mm. from the client in many ways but also especially by offering that structure and so uh, you you talk about responsibility a couple of times and it is yes. something that is a red line throughout the provocative style yeah yeah but yeah. especially in this assumption um, there are a lot of colleagues uh, i talk to that all say Oh no, the responsibility should be with the client. Uh, even uh, when they work out of a, a different sure, uh, yeah. perspective. Yeah. In, in what way do you think that the provocative therapy um, is doing something different uh, in respect to placing the responsibility back to the client um, compared to other therapy coaching styles? Um, well, Lots of behaviors and, and, and thinking processes and assumptions and values of the provocative therapist sort of emanate that uh, basically they emanate not so much you are responsible, but they <laughs> emanate I am not responsible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. so the basic greeting uh, when the client comes in for the third time or something is, I know you, I know you, I've seen you, you've been here before, right? <laughs> so you immediately uh, make it very clear that you are not guarding any structure, that, that yeah. basically um, you know, you have some secret goals as a, a provocative therapist, yeah. but you don't often tell these goals, no. or, uh, hardly ever tell these goals to a client. And um, 
So, um, so it's almost like they, the, 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 the client comes in with with with, uh, with his or her problem, like a hot yeah. coal. And yeah. say, okay, I've got I've got a problem here. Take All it right, over. And right. you say, oh well, I'm not oh, taking the no, hot coal. No, no, yeah. I'm not taking the hot coal because uh, well, there's a whole bunch of reasons that you can mention why uh, you don't do that. You yeah, know? so you're not I taking the responsibility. I used to do that, but people were not grateful. You know, oh. <laughs> I burned my hands. You know, look, I still have the scars here. Yeah, uh, but um, are they grateful? No, they were still complaining. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so, as you said, it's actually something that's eminent in, in the whole provocative, provocative style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you look at um, um, the assumptions, um, are there assumptions while creating them or writing them down um, that are typically something that you like or prefer? Like, for me, losing the structure... Uh, I see the use of it. I I apply it, but I love structure. So yes, yes. <laughs> I'm not I'm not an expert in losing structure. Um, so it's not my favorite assumption. I think it's important, but it's not my favorite one. Um, are, are there are there assumptions that really fit you more than than another? Um, yeah. Well, one of the my favorite assumptions and was actually was formulated almost literally by Frank Fairley mm. is that the most personal is the most universal. Mm. So that means, you know, my secrets, you know, that what I'm really ashamed of are probably some things that you can recognize and it's very likely that you will be ashamed about uh, similar things yeah. or some desires that I have, you know, that I don't like uh, and I don't talk about much if I if they are out on the table uh, we will find that you will have similar desires mm. so uh, especially the things that I don't like about myself are very often recognizable yeah, yeah. Uh, by other people so that's the most uh, the, uh, the most um, personal is at the same time strangely the mm. most universal is mm. you know um, I worried about you know my grandson getting hurt you know yeah uh, but at the same time that's ridiculous because he's in a perfect situation mm. so um, I don't think there's hardly any uh, there's only you know, very hard it would be very hard to find any grandfather who isn't worried about that exactly. at some time. Yeah. So it's like, uh, you know, I want uh, recognition. Mm. You know, I want people to say, oh, yeah, Paul is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, who doesn't want that? Exactly. But it's not always appropriate mm. to say that, you know, or to even think that. Or, And that is the, also at the same time, you know, the biggest uh, learning from Frank Fairley, whatever comes up uh, can be said. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and that's of course a, th- a thing that a lot of our colleagues uh, are afraid of. That are my yes. thoughts, my my ideas uh, appropriate? Yes. yes. Uh, are they too much my own interpretation instead of uh, yes, really are. useful for the client? 
Yes, okay, so, but see, useful for the client also presupposes that you are responsible yeah. for something happening with the client. Mm. In provocative therapy, you're not. Mm. Uh, so, but, um, yeah, so I always, you know, I always explain or describe that, you know, I have all kinds of impulses coming up, you yeah. know, already, you know, in Freudian, uh, psycho, uh, no, let's say, let's say Freudian psychology, uh, they come from, you know, a, a primitive uh, um, part of me that has no conscience, mm. you know, that has little, very little control and there, you know, a lot of these impulses are not socially acceptable. Mm. So already, you know, if my, you know, if my, all my impulses are one meter. Yeah. Uh, there's only half a meter of that. That's socially acceptable. Yeah. Well, maybe only maybe 20 less. centimeters. Yeah. <laughs> so depending on you know what's happening in your unconscious mind. Yeah. So um, now I have a special role. I'm a leader or I'm a therapist. Mm. And again, uh, from that 20 centimeters, maybe five centimeters are left mm. that are appropriate. So, well, these are not exact numbers, of course, but let's say uh, there's 95% of me that I cannot express when I am a therapist or when I am a coach. Um, so you can say, well, so what? You know, if these 95% are not useful for the client, who cares that you cannot express them? Yeah. But if there's so much of myself that I cannot express in my work, uh, what kind of relationship are we going to... Basically, you are going to have a relationship with 5% of Jaap Hollander, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know how, you know, how motivating that is exactly. for you or yeah. how, you know, impressive that is for you to, to make changes uh, or mm. stimulating that is for you. I think the 100%, well, let's say the 90% is much better. Exactly. Well, it, it, it makes me makes me think about clients saying sometimes like uh, it has been very confusing or at times I really don't know <laughs> what you're getting at, no. but it feels like I'm, I have uh, contact with a real human being yes, instead exactly, of exactly. that very nice other therapist. Yes. But after a while I thought, yeah, so what am I doing here? Yes. You know, that, uh, so maybe that's the difference because clients get a larger percentage of the therapist when working provocatively then when you um, keep in most of your impulses and thoughts yeah well yeah. that's exactly how provocative therapy uh, was discovered by frank fairley hmm. he had this client he'd been working uh, with for years yeah. uh, in a rogerian way actually carl rogers himself was his supervisor mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, but this is something that, that a lot of people are not aware of that he had a, a large part of his formation or his therapeutic experience in a humanistic approach and not yes. the provocative, challenging approach. No, no, to start no off of with. course, you know, yeah. that was not he, he, he didn't even discover that yet. No. But uh, then he had a client who said, It's a long story, so I'll also say, say yeah. it very in a compact way. But um, so this client was in the psychiatric hospital. This client said, well, Frank, I'm worried. Uh, I'm not going to make it outside. 
And Frank's direct response was, uh, well, I'm pretty sure you're not going to make it outside. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but he was supposed to say, oh, I understand. So you, and fresh words, of course. So I yeah. understand that you have some doubts about whether you're going to make it outside. Uh, and, and without planning that, he just blurted out, well, I'm pretty sure that you're not going to make it outside. I mean, if exactly. I know anybody who's not going to make it outside, it is you. Yeah. Uh, so, and you know what the client said? Very interesting. The client said, oh, Frank, you can't say that. Exactly. Yeah. So the client knows exactly what the limits of the therapy are, yeah, right? Yeah. What are the defined roles of a therapist and a client? Exactly. Yeah. And so then um, he met this person two years later. He was managing a restaurant. He gave Frank a free meal because this, you know, triggered him to think, uh, well, I'm going to show that damn Frank Fairley that I can make it outside. Yeah. And so um, that was, that so was the discovery. Yeah, and then that was Frank the starting point for him to, to change. thinking, wait a minute, I, I think I've got something here, mm. you know. Um, and then he started developing that uh, and, until yeah uh, uh, into what we have now. Yeah, well, uh, there's a book uh, written by Harvey Mindes, uh, mm -hmm. also from the 70s, uh, the same decade in which Frank Fairley wrote his book, and uh, he wrote uh, the book uh, uh, "Laughter and Liberation," mm -hmm. and he follows uh, the psychodynamic Freudian. Uh, outlook on the use of humor. Uh, Freud already talked about the way that humor is, 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 a, is a way to let out uh, sexual and aggressive impulses, but on a civilized uh, mm -hmm. uh, way. And Harvey Mind has, has a very interesting book on it and saying exactly this, that, that for a lot of people uh, watching a comedy show, going to a stand-up comedian, whatever. A lot of jokes are somehow sexual or aggressive. Not all. Uh, and in, 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 uh, there's a variance of type of sexual or aggressive topics, but uh, they can be depicted like that. And one of the ideas is we uh, withhold a lot of our impulses all day and that is appropriate but we do have these impulses so humor is a way out and letting go laughing about somebody else joking about the things we are thinking mm -hmm. so um, so the humor is is an expression laughter is an expression of oh, wow I feel liberated <laughs> finally <laughs> but it means that as you said, it's all about topics we, but not only we as a therapist, but also the clients, uh, they, they keep it in. And I think that what you pointed out in provocative style, by naming stuff that are taboo or normally not expressing therapy, we show that it's okay to have these impulses yeah. and people that are being are normalized. universal, yeah, right? We exactly. recognize them. Yeah, and that makes us a human being like our clients. Right, right. Yeah, so, and also uh, one other way, I think, 
that relates to this, or another thing that relates to this, is that, you know, of course, we make a lot of jokes in provocative therapy. And uh, sometimes, you now the client is laughing their head off, you know, it's, they find it so funny. Sometimes they can't even talk anymore because they're, you know, laughing so much. And lots of times I thought, well, you know, it was funny. But it wasn't that funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the reason why <laughs> it is so funny, because it fits exactly these patterns of the client, right? Yeah. The, the, that kind of humor is reflecting their patterns. Yeah. And, and that's why it's so funny. Or maybe because they feel some kind of emotional cognitive load. And with you being mildly funny, for them yeah. it's, it's, it's a wild relief or yeah, release of emotions. Right, you're right. Something it's mildly like funny for them. Yeah, <laughs> mildly funny for us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a small but I think that is very important because um, I believe that if you can laugh a lot while you are still cognitively focused on the problem, uh, new things happen in your brain. Mm. You are basically in a totally different state yeah. uh, than you are normally are when you think about your problem. Yeah. Yes, uh, in, in, uh, I remember that in, in one of your books you also mentioned Ericsson, I believe. Yeah, I, I, and, and, I, and, and it doesn't he, surprise me. Yeah, and he of course also uh, he, he wrote about uh, that people in a state of confusion, mm -hmm. uh, which they can get in, 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 in uh, everyday life, but also in a provocative session because of our different role, people get confused, uh, us exaggerating or playing the, the, the part of the, the devil's advocate, people can get confused, as in humor. And uh, he said, well, in, in state of confusion, we are acceptable, more acceptable and open for new information to get out of the confusion. Yes. Is that something that you consciously use in, in uh, the provocative sessions with your clients? Well, I'm not really aiming to confuse them, but the whole provocative style leads people very often to be confused. Yeah. And one of the one of the ways we do that actually is by not structuring anything, yeah. because structuring the process is a way to avoid confusion, exactly. right? So, yeah. and uh, actually, in provocative therapy, as in hypnotherapy, we appreciate a confusion yeah. as a, an avenue to new insights or new perspectives or you know new ideas. So, in in, in what way then do you not structure? Do you let go of structure in a session? Is, is are there uh, things that you do purposely? So, so there's no structure? Mm. Well, let me think about that for a moment. Um, no, well, see, the thing is, it's not that I'm consciously offering no structure. It's basically that I'm not structuring. Yeah. So I, you know, in provocative uh, therapy, I, I don't do any... Uh, well, I do a little structuring in the sense of do you want to come, do you want to come back and when? Yeah. So that's sort of the end of the session. 
Um, so that's you could say that's the structure. You yeah. know, I don't just say this is the end, bye bye. Yeah. Uh, or next client's coming in and then saying, oh, <laughs> I think it's the end of your session. Now. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah, that's a good way to. Um, but I never, for instance, um, give a. Um, a review of what did we do, what we yeah. did discuss, what was what are our conclusions, what are the behaviors that you might, yeah. you know, get from this and apply in your daily life. I never do anything like that, and and that's also, you know, uh, the, you know the, the American psychiatrist saying our time is up, mm. you know, and, and because psychoanalysis also, you know, is you know the time is up. That's the end of the session. Yeah. And um, how do you handle uh, the, the direction of, of clients who, who uh, back you for some uh, uh, structured information or, okay, so what are we going to do in the next sessions? Or my, my other five therapists, they already had a, a treatment plan. So I could, uh, yeah, I had a bit of an idea uh, where we were, uh, will be going to. How do you, how do you handle that? Uh, yeah, so that's, you know, falls in the category people ask, you know, can we give, give you a model? Can yeah. you give me a model about how to handle this? You know, or what is the way you are working? You know, can you explain that to me first before we start? Hmm. Uh, well, you know, what have we done today? Uh, and so um, I'm very confused myself. So, oh. I mean, <laughs> what, what do you mean? You know, so... Well, you, you play client who asked that question and I will answer it. It's probably the easiest way. Yeah. Okay. So, Frank, our time is up. Uh, yeah, but uh, w w what... Uh, sorry, because I was a little bit confused today. Um, so, w what what do you think is the essence of, of my problem and, and what will be the next step? Well, is there an essence to your problem? Do you think so? Uh, well, what, and, uh, and remind me, what was the problem you were talking about? We've been talking about it for almost an hour. Yeah, but, but what was it? Yeah, well, my insecurity. Oh, your insecurity, right, yeah. right, I remember, I remember, yes, oh. your insecurity, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's an interesting topic. But we've been talking about it for an whole hour. Uh, but have, we, have we really? But... but Okay, so you're now pulling my leg, are you? Yeah, well, I can... Do you feel insecure about that, about your legs? <laughs> yeah, let me, well, let me have a look at your legs. No, they're not too bad. But, 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 but what do I get out of this? I, I mean... Uh, I mean you, you want to get something out of this? Yeah. Uh, what is it? I don't know, because I'm insecure. That's why I'm here with you. You don't know what you want to get out of this. Well, Frank, honestly, if you don't know what you're going to want to get out of this, how am I supposed to know? <laughs> I mean, oh my God. you're supposed to tell me what you're getting out of this, and I'm supposed to tell you that it's not possible, right? But, but I come to you because you, you have studied psychology, and, and as people said, you're very experienced. I am, yes. That's exactly the reason why I'm not telling you exactly what to do. 
Because people never, you know, are the essence, you know, well, what is the essence? There's so many ways, different ways to look at this. Yeah. And then if you have the essence, what good is it going to do to you? Then I know. Yes. And then you know, and then what? I don't know. You don't know. No, no. right. And because you're too insecure to do anything with it anyway, right? Yeah. So there's no point in, in me knowing, uh, I don't know. Yeah. And now what? Well, do you want to come back uh, for a next session? Well, if you then remember my problem. <laughs> if I can remember. Well, why don't you write it down and give it to me next time? Uh, oh, wow. I'm so glad. I'm a proactive therapist myself and not a client. <laughs> yeah. This is horrible. <laughs> yeah. Is it horrible? Is it really horrible? Well, well, it's, but, you know, interesting, maybe an interesting experience. What does it do with you, this, kind, this approach? Yeah. Well, look, for me, in, in a therapist's role, what I, uh, with the client begging for some inside help and helping hand lead me a little bit then uh, i really feel the the tendency to do so i think or thinking oh, oh okay. you poor thing yes, yes and so i don't but it, it, it does it does appeal and oh, i yes, can imagine course, that for a lot course. of especially beginning oh, provoking yeah, therapists yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it's it's hard stuff so it's been provoking uh, the, the whole session and pulling the donkey's tail and yes. know, putting some humor in it and uh, so you've been very very provocative well done you and then the client says well thank you but please can you give me some insight yes. i can imagine you know well, we have a whole, a whole list of responses to that actually yeah. in our training mm. uh, so one of them is well yeah see i, I can understand that Right, I can understand that you want to have some ready-made solutions, but you know what it is. You have to also think of me, right? Mm. Uh, so I give out these. I, in the past, I've done that. I've given out lots and lots of wonderful solutions, and then people don't do them, yeah. and it's so disappointing. You yeah. know, I'm not saying I'm crying or anything, but it's, I'm really deeply hurt if I give my jewels to somebody. And then he throws them in the mud, right? Yeah, yeah. So I decided now I can't handle any more of that. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but in your case, okay, okay. So your problem is insecurity, right? Yeah. You, you mentioned that just yeah. five minutes ago, right? Or has it changed? No, absolutely no. not. Okay, all right. So good, good. So we still have the insecurity. Yeah. All right. So let me see. Maybe I can give you a few hints. Well, um, I am pretty sure, you may have even talked about this, that you try to hide your insecurity, right? Yeah. And that makes you even more insecure, because now you're not only insecure, but you're also a fake. Well... Do you recognize that? Yes, yeah. say yes. yes. Yes, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, but... Um, maybe a good solution of that is make a big sign... Uh, saying, I am fake and I'm very, very insecure. And just carry that sign with you wherever you go. Yeah. And the people will know you are insecure. And people will say, well, you know, for an extremely insecure person like Freik, 
I think it's not so bad with this insecurity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how do you like that solution? <sighs> or you can make stickers, you know, put them on your shirt or little little visiting cards. Hi, my name is Freak. I'm insecure. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't hurt my feelings. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you can say that, and then you can even specify for the closest friends. You can make a long list of all the possible ways they are not supposed to hurt your feelings. Yeah. Please don't hurt my feelings by explaining to me that I'm insecure. Please don't hurt my feelings by not giving me credit <laughs> for everything I did, all the good things I did. Please don't hurt my feelings by talking about yourself rather than me. You know, stuff like that makes much more clarity in your social environment. Okay, so are you going to do it? 100% yeah yes okay good good well there you go right so uh, but yeah as you were speaking uh, Jaap I was thinking uh, about the topic of humor and and the way you uh, exaggerate this situation is very humorous did I exaggerate it <laughs> I was trying to play it down actually yeah yeah well but that's something that a lot of clients uh, say that oh is this provocative I thought you were you would beat me up therapeutically right, but sometimes right. because we are the devil's advocate we just say no no we're totally right with your avoidance strategy so actually we are very nice and we're not confronting we just agree totally with them avoiding yeah and, and then and, and, and basically we only work with people we can love right yeah if i cannot love the client uh, i don't work with it yeah uh, there's a coach and a therapist on every street corner that's why i say them th that's what i tell them sorry excuse me i cannot work with you why don't you go out and you know walk the city and every corner you will find a yeah. therapist with a, with a hat, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Please throw in a euro and I'll give you an advice. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, I mean, uh, there's, no, there's no problem for you to find another yeah. helper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because some people, uh, yeah, people often say uh, to me, uh, yeah, yeah, I like this provocative uh, style. I really like it a lot. Actually, I have some clients that I don't like and I, I have the tendency mm. to beat them up. And now with provocative, you know, I can, yeah. I can actually do that. No, no, you cannot no. do that. No, no it's, it's, I have to think about uh, Christophe Panicelli, mm -hmm. the Belgian psychiatrist who also uh, attended the workshops uh, from the EAP, mm -hmm. your training center. And he wrote an article about how humor, and he, he writes, describes humor from, from more or less provocative style. Mm -hmm. How humor is very helpful in, in uh, the therapeutic alliance. Mm -hmm. uh, because okay. it bridges the, on one hand, you need to be empathetic. But if you're empathetic, only empathetic, how can you put challenge in your therapy? And therapy needs challenge because otherwise people won't change. Mm -hmm. And that, that's, an, that's, a, that's a contrast, is, uh, how he calls it. It's, it's, a, it's a double bind for a therapist. And humor helps to, to, to resolve this double bind. So you can be empathetic and say things that are needed to, to evoke a change. But it's all about maintaining a therapeutic alliance. And if you don't like a client, and then think, well, then the provocative style is a way 
to work with clients I don't like, mm. uh, there's something wrong in the therapeutic alliance. Exactly, yeah, of course. It's uh, the, the three balls, like warmth, humor, and uh, provocation, yeah. challenge. Yeah, so that's a good thing to know for provocative therapists. Instead of having two balls, you have three balls. Three balls, yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, I like to get back to 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 the topic of of humor because in 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 uh, the first um, um, uh, the first podcast I interviewed Nick Camp mm-hmm. and uh, I asked him or we, we talked about humor and he said well for me humor it's not a goal in in uh, in provocation. While, of course, me doing a PhD on the role of humor in psychotherapy, not only in provocative psychotherapy, but also other types of uh, therapy, um, I'm writing a lot about intentionally using humor. So, okay, there's a difference between humor as a goal or intentionally using humor. But I was surprised to hear from him and also from Jeffrey that uh, they say, well, humor is more a side effect. It's an effect of provoking. While my feeling still is that, yeah, but you should be intentionally using humor. It's it's not not just a side effect. So I'm wondering what's your opinion on the role of humor? Is it a side effect? Is it it more than a side effect? What what do you think? Well, I think basically there's three elements, right? Uh, Warmth from maybe an old influence, also empathy from Mm. the uh, softness, uh, appreciation from the the Rogerian uh, history. Uh, There's uh, challenging, you know, Mm. saying things that people don't like and they resist or maybe they accept them is also a possibility, but it's not in their normal range. And then there's humor, you know, mm. finding it very funny. So it's an official part of the yeah. the basic uh, exactly. basic yeah. state of the provocative therapist. Only, of course, you know, none of those are goals. No. Um, these are all conditions that create a, an environment in which the client can change. Yeah. Uh, so we're not responsible for them changing, but we are responsible for creating this bath, so to speak, exactly. that they are soaking in. To, to have new this, things these are three elements. So in, in this thing, in, in this, and, and also, like I said before, you know, somebody laughing and focusing on their problem at the same time mm. is almost like a uh, guarantee for change. Uh, I have been a client myself, you know, when Frank Fairley was still alive uh, and we had a sort of, a, you know, regular uh, supervision, intervision sessions with him. And one time I was really laughing my head off and at the same time focusing on my problem. And, you know, uh, I swear I was in a trance for almost two days or something oh, really? after that. So I was, I was walking... Uh, in the train station and I was thinking wow this train station looks strange you know <laughs> it's like uh, it's, it's a natural natural high a yeah, natural yeah, st- yeah, kind yeah, of LSD yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, oh. so I, I find the humor very important mm. uh, except that of course you know um, you cannot 
you know, it's not as if you have a number of standard jokes that you always tell, you mm-hmm. know. So it's like you cannot really uh, structure the humor as such, mm-hmm. but you can see the person as a very, very funny person. Mm. Uh, that's one of the things we teach people. Look at this person and see how funny they are, you yeah. know. Yeah. And this this hat, you know, this bald hat and then this uh, special watch, you know. Yeah. It's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. And um, so... Um, and so, so more you put yourself in a laughing state, basically, mm-hmm. in, a, in a humorous state, mm-hmm. and then you see what comes out. So that if you, you know... If you uh, look at humor as a state of the therapist, it's essential in my mind. If you look at humor as certain things you say or certain things, the way you act, uh, for instance, then I agree with with Jeffrey that that's not, you know, uh, a goal. That's also a means. Yeah, and as you said, it it should be a state or... Uh, some authors call it an orientation, orientation right? a humor yes. orientation. Yeah, and and maybe the 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 risk of uh, having humor as a goal is that you feel the need to be a stand-up comedian, and then it's yeah. not about the client; it's about you. Yeah, and that's also one of the main problems with beginning uh, provocative coaches or therapists is that you know then they have to come up with a funny idea every two minutes or something and that's such a a, a heavy cognitive load that they almost cannot think anymore yeah so that's (laughs) i mean that's not good so you know go into the state i actually we saw frank fairly do that you know it's like before he started the session he'd go he'd sit down It is really this fake laugh, you know, and we always go, what is he doing? You know, this <laughs> yeah. is, this is he is, cracking up? This is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, it's like, I mean, it, was, it wasn't even like he was really laughing, but he was, you know, constantly putting himself in the laughing state. Well, and I think well, maybe, maybe in that, that way, uh, it could be a goal in putting yourself in a laughing state in uh, as i as i see it uh, most clients they forgot how to laugh because if they go to coach or a therapist you know their problems are already there for quite some time yeah they feel sad or anxious about it so you know they they, they take themselves serious in it and there's less room for laughter and we from the outside can bring humor and laughter back into the system of the client. Exactly. So in, the, in that way, creating an atmosphere could be a goal. But I think the the, the most uh, effective factor of, of humor in, in therapy is to work with the material of the client. So his or her own, uh, own ambivalence, the incongruity in what and how he is saying the stuff he's saying. And Which is, if you look at it from a funny perspective, exactly. very in- incongruence is very funny. Exactly. And, and the way you teach the, the client to look at himself that way, so then it's, it's, it's harder the next time to take himself uh, so serious as before. Absolutely. And, but it's all about having, having an eye for the client. Uh, and if you put humor as a, as a goal uh, per se, 
And people could mistake it from here. Yeah, I need to have a catalog of jokes, therapeutic <laughs> yeah, jokes. Right. And at least I have to put in three. And no, mm-hmm. it's about adapting to the client yes. and then seeing the humor that's that's there. It's more about you know finding whatever the client does funny mm. than about wanting to be humorous. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Bender and Grinder, the founders of NLP, said right in the beginning when they started developing NLP. So, well, if you are a therapist, you know, observe your clients as they uh, approach your office, mm. if that's possible. Mm. If you have an upper window or something that you can actually see them walking down the street or from the parking lot to your front door. And what you will notice is that even if they... Uh, start reasonably happy by the time they add they uh, they have reached your front door they look really sad you know they, they, they change the states <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, yeah, as yeah. they see your door yeah yeah, yeah. it's like an, an actor putting on a costume and then changing into another personality yeah it's like, or thinking about all the difficult yeah, things and yeah. of course you know if you have structured homework thinking about that you didn't do your homework yeah. and how are you going to explain, explain that <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he still takes me serious and loves me in yeah. a therapeutic way yeah <laughs> so um if we've been talking about uh, the provocative therapy the future of therapy a couple of years ago um, what are your thoughts on the future of provocative therapy, the possibilities, but also the challenges? Yes, well, um, I am, of course, totally convinced that uh, provocative therapy is beautiful, that it's not that difficult, that it's mm. um, really, really effective. Um, I would like to see in any team of therapists one provocative therapist Mm. because precisely these clients that are difficult for the traditional therapist are good for the provocative therapist Mm. as a general broad generalization Uh, so that would be one possible future I see and I think also basically Freik your work uh, as a you know in humor and psychotherapy your work in um doing research Mm. is essential Mm. because uh, what happens is there's a new approach and there's a period of grace you know it's a period where everybody says oh it's a new approach it's interesting what is it oh it's funny yeah great great but that period of grace doesn't last forever Um, I don't know how long it lasts maybe 10 years maybe 20 years but at some point people are going to ask you know is it effective? Yeah. And you go, so yes, yes, it's really effective. I have this person, that person, that person. And then everybody, you know, a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people are going to say, yeah, sure, that is anecdotes. Yeah. Show me the like science. I have, I have uh, uh, a cousin who does gemstone therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she also has a b- bunch of clients that are really happy. So yeah. you cannot think about anything that you can do with people that there's not some people somewhere in the world that say yes yes this has really helped me so i don't know if that's correct you know but in our you know present time frame and i think that will be you know certainly lasting our lives um 
people look to science to uh, distinguish between the bullshit and the actual valuable methods. So if you don't have the science, you will disappear. Or not actually disappear, but it will disperse in all kinds of other other methods will have a little piece of provocative therapy in them. Uh, that's already happening to some extent. Mm. Um, so, um, in uh, I think the future is um, bright for provocative therapy because it's so different. Mm. Uh, it is such a different way of working that there will always be a percentage of clients who do much better with provocative therapy than with traditional. Mm. There's also probably plenty of tri- uh, clients who do fine with the traditional therapy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, okay. they can do that, right? Yeah. I always sometimes say, well, give them a chance to do traditional, you know, work with them, one, two, three traditional sessions. If you don't want to do provocative for whatever reason, see if they improve. If yeah. they improve, great, continue. If not, then basically cybernetics, if what you do doesn't work, do something else. Yeah, 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 exactly. But don't do something else that is like, looks like two eggs, the same, you know, so you can, we had this structure, now we'll do that structure. No, do something else entirely, yeah. and that's provocative. But this is what's, what's Levique Weekland and Fish in their book on change. Yes. In 74 said, uh, people tend to do more of the same. Yes. Not just our clients, but also we as therapists. Of course. And this is actually, uh, uh, actually, uh, actually what you said. Uh, if you notice, uh, there's no change. Instead of uh, treating someone from from this cognitive behavioral perspective or family therapist perspective or scheme therapy or whatever, and then do another intervention within the same framework, it's probably more of the same. And yes. then uh, provocative style is really... Uh, a game changer it's really something different yes something yeah. really different um, is indicated when what you are normally doing isn't working so i think that's a very strong point for yeah. there's lots of strong points uh for it's fun to do for instance yeah. i think for most people it's much more fun to do than traditional therapy Absolutely. Uh, so it has all these strong points but no matter how strong these points mm. are at some point we need proof yeah show me the vic- figures yes yeah exactly yeah well and, and i think that it's, it's the same for uh, some of the the pioneers in family therapy systemic therapy they wrote a lot about humor about mm-hmm. paradoxical intention and uh, the victor frankel the Milanese school, uh, the, the the people from Palo Alto, there there are a lot of other people uh, that that uh, had more or less the same uh, perspective as Frank Farrelly in in the same period. You don't hear about him anymore. You know, people well, say you hear about Victor Frankl a little bit, here a little there. bit as, as a name. Yes. Salvador Minucci. Well, as a family therapist, especially because I work a lot in in Spain. Of course, the name is—he's a saint. But if you look at how much of his, uh, how much of it uh, is still applied nowadays, I think it's it's pretty poor. Mm-hmm. And maybe as well because the ideas were were great, the facts were great, the science was not there, mm-hmm. the figures were not there. And if you look at cognitive um, behavioral therapy, they can present a lot of figures. So they yeah. did a better mm-hmm. job and in presenting themselves uh, as, as uh, yeah. 
And I see, I see a good place. I mean, I tried to set it up, but I wasn't very successful with it. But um, uh, I see a good place for um, uh, what do you call it? Experiments uh, um, uh, that are more like I don't know what's called in science, but symbolic. Like, for instance, uh, okay, here's a task. You have to solve a puzzle. Yeah. Uh, one group, I say, well, this is. Uh, um, this puzzle, I I have faith in you. You can do it. You know, you have all the resources in you to solve this puzzle. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Nothing more than that. Yeah. The other group say, "Well, I don't know." Yeah. Yeah. Bold people often have trouble with this. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and Yap and I are both you look, bold. You look way. sort of insecure. So I don't know if you can solve this. Uh, and then see who does the best, you yeah. know, and maybe do a little simple measure, you know, of the internal processes. Yeah. Um, uh, experiments like that. So, yeah. of course, it's, you know, the, the best is clinical, uh, like I'm assuming that you are doing, but yeah. it's really, really uh, involved. You know, yeah. It's really, really uh, extremely uh, big amount of work. While these other experiments are just as um, scientific yeah. and they're much easier to do. Yeah, well, actually, uh, without being able to, to tell a lot about it right now, um, but uh, within a half year, we'll start an experimental study in Madrid. Mm -hmm. um, exactly uh, with this idea in mind. So uh, our link with human psychotherapy is the psychological flexibility of people, mm -hmm. uh, an important term from the acceptance and commitment therapy. And uh, we, will, we will design uh, experiments to show, or hopefully to show, that, that humor has a positive effect on the psychological flexibility of clients. Right. And humor can have more benefits, but one of the, the presumed benefits is people will get more flexible. Mm -hmm. And if you're more flexible, then uh, you're more creative in, in, in finding new solutions. Um, so the next step will be experimental study. And then in one and a half year time, more or less, uh, we'll do a clinical study in which we, uh, the, the humor condition will be uh, three provocative sessions something mm -hmm. like that, mm -hmm. in which we focus um, less on the challenging part and more on the, the humoristic part of uh, the intervention we can apply. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a beginning. Yes, but, well, uh, I hope there'll be many, many uh, yeah. of these experiments, because that's also something, you know, we did one uh, study where we... Um, which was extremely positive before NLP, where we did, you know, one session basically of NLP and it had an enormous effect on the, mm. you know, social, psychological well-being of the people, you know, being uh, coached. But then, of course, that doesn't mean anything until it's replicated, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, and we never were able to find and, and because it also needs to be replicated in a different site. Yeah. So we never could find anybody in a different site who was willing to replicate this or able to replicate this. So I think that's an important basis is uh, research and replication and many different exactly. uh, studies. Yeah. Um, and uh, other than that, 
provocative is uh, like we always say it's easy uh, it's fun and it's very effective yeah great well uh, I, I i can totally agree with you and the, the especially the the message that uh, provocative the provocative style is easy because a lot of people think wow that's complicated and my assumption now is it's not complicated but it's because therapists themselves they also feel uh, inhibited because of their professional seriousness mm -hmm. and so we're also thinking about uh, developing a humor training mm -hmm. so not provocative but a humor training so therapists and clients can feel liberated and mm -hmm. feel like okay what does it bring me to have a more humorous orientation on life so uh, as well on yourself as a therapist yes. Yes. in the therapy session which might be helpful in overcome this idea that wow it's difficult to provoke no it's mm. it's, it's fun and it can be very effective and yeah. it's really easy you know you what you want to achieve is you know no good yeah <laughs> and your problems are not that bad exactly yeah it, but yeah well this is with a lot of things if you if you practice a lot it becomes more and more easy and people starting with it they're like in awe but where did you get that idea from where wow where did you get that idea yeah, yeah. I, re I recognize that yeah. Yeah. yeah it must be because we are brilliant hmm. yeah well, or we had a lot can, of practice i can accept that <laughs> <laughs> now this one one clip of ed sheeran the famous uh, uh, british uh, singer and he's very popular nowadays and he showed or he yeah, a recording of himself when he was, I don't know, 12, 14, a teenager, and recording himself. And the, and the, the guitar playing was great. And then he started to sing. Mm -hmm. It was horrible. Mm -hmm. So what he said is, uh, sure, uh, it's a little bit about talent, but it's also a lot of practice doing yes, it and doing yes. it. And, and, and you get better at it. Yeah. So mm -hmm. there's hope for everybody. 10,000 hours. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Thank you, Jaap. Uh, You're welcome. That was it for uh, this episode. And um, um, yeah, it was, it was uh, I think, uh, a great finale of talking about the provocative assumptions. Um, any last comment? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> so, that's easy. <laughs>you could help me by advising me who I need to invite according to you. So I invite you to react. Uh, leave your comments, questions and requests under the episode or on the website terapiaprovocativa.es or by mail info at terapiaprovocativa.es. In the next episode, I'll attend to them. Do you want to know more about provocative therapy? Visit fa-editorial.com or Amazon for the English edition of my book. And if you look well, I think Jaap has an English book as well. Yes, yes. It's called, uh, very aptly, Provocative Coaching. Well, it shouldn't be hard to find then. 
See you in a couple of weeks. Till then, take care of yourself and your loved ones.